listening to First Church Charlotte. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Nathan here. I miss you. I love you. I want to get right into my my teaching here tonight. It's always an honor for me to spend any time in the Word of the Lord and be able to share it with you. Um, Let me, before I jump in, just say that we are continuing our Wednesday night uh, time together remotely uh, and just to respect the risk of the hour and to uh, respect the request of our governor. We're trying to limit our crowd exposure. And also, in good news, I actually uh, think that our our reach is greater doing it this way, um, even than at times it has been uh, coming together on Wednesday night. Uh, I was asked recently by a friend of mine who is, is not a believer. Um, he asked me, now, let me, let me say this. He is a very reflective, even uh, philosophical individual, thoughtful. Uh, and he asked me what I thought Jesus meant when he said that the truth will set you free. Now, I have spent the last few weeks pondering this, not simply as an easy uh, doctrinal answer. Now, if we just approach it from that perspective, if you're a believer in the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ, it's fairly straightforward and, and even easy for you to believe that through the accomplishment of Jesus Christ at Calvary, you have remission of sins. That's, that's pretty straightforward. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We were dead in trespasses and sins, and He extended toward us his, his loving kindness. It was all motivated by love. He so loved the world of His creation that He gave His only begotten Son, uh, that whoever would believe upon Him would have everlasting life. Um, that, is, that is deeply true for any individual who calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, that is our, our doctrinal answer. However, I think there is some depth to this that can be appreciated in a, a reflective way uh, with some serious consideration. Because Jesus did not simply say, and this is where the weight of it all comes in, Jesus did not simply say, the truth will set you free. He also said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father, comes to God, which every Jewish ear would have understood what he meant, comes to the eternal, creative God, except through me, Jesus saying, Jesus Christ. So there is... There are depths here that I will, not, I will not dive to the deepest of them. I cannot. I haven't the, the ability. I think there are spiritual elements manifest, encapsulated in this, this reality found in the words of Jesus Christ. However, I do want to make an attempt to kind of establish this. And the reason why <clears throat> is because as believers... It's, it's important for us not simply to, ha- simply to have a doctrinal answer ready. Why? Because doctrine is <clears throat> developed over generations of sincere men and women studying the Word of the Lord. Now, because they did it over generations, 
their answers, oftentimes their language is fitly prepared for another generation. So think of the great church leaders and founders. If you try to read their work, you will find that it is heavy lifting. And even if you agree, you have to figure out what does that mean in your language. <laughs> You're supposed to be more than a believer. You're supposed to be a witness. So what does that mean in your language? How would you explain that to someone who wanted to know why you live the way you live, why you strive to believe um, in this, this man, Jesus Christ? And how is that different than all the other religious paths, so to speak, to eternal life. We have to not simply have a doctrinal answer, which often is couched in the language of an earlier generation. We have to have a personal testimony. I want to I emphasize that. It's not enough for you to have a doctrine. You need a testimony. And you need to be able to talk about that testimony to people in a manner that is not dismissive, that is not my way or the highway, that is not simply uh, bound by the limits of your personal ideology. You have to be able to share the beauty of the Lord. What is that for you? You have to be able to share the hope that comes through the promises of God. What does that mean for you? So uh, let's take a little while here and let's start this process of examining and exploring uh, some of these ideas that naturally come to the surface when we talk about Jesus saying things like, the truth shall set you free, and I am the way, the truth, and the life. All right, so <clears throat> if we, if we uh, made an effort to be honest about the human condition, and again, we're trying to take truths that are doctrinal in our heritage and place them in the language of the modern witness, do you see? And so what would that, what would that look like? If you, if you think about these, uh, these truths, you would, you would have to start with the condition of humanity. Um, and so the Bible talks about the brokenness of the human heart. I actually preached about this last Sunday. Um, I am biblical in my belief on this. Uh, oh, wretched man that I am. This is the Apostle Paul. Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Paul, are you just talking about mortal death? Or is there something more? Uh, also, if you read that same passage in the Living Bible, it goes like this. Oh, what a terrible predicament I'm in. Who will free me from my slavery to this deadly lower nature? That's the problem. You see, there is within us um, the capacity uh, to be very cruel, uh, to be very tribal, to feel our pains but not others to promote our interests, but not others. Um, this is shown, and it's not just shown in the image of, of, shall we say, kind of the bad folks in the Bible. Uh, imagine a James and John coming to Jesus, and they say, they say to him, in, in front of the others, they say, well, you know, what do we need to do to be first? How can we be 
at your at, uh, kind of at your right hand of authority. We want to be we want to be. How do I get status around here? So you know, all of life is this status competition, and we want to win. So how do we do that? And this is in the Gospel of Mark. And, and what is Jesus's response? He gives a rather extended lecture on the necessity, the power, and the spirituality of being a servant. Okay, so there's this thing in us where we are promoting the self, we are seeking to have, we are seeking to dominate, we want to be the best, the strongest, we want to be top of the hierarchical heap, and we don't care much about others. So this is the state of humanity. Now, one more translation of this same passage. This is from today's English version. What an unhappy man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is taking me to death? Now, this is a Paul statement of uh, the spiritual predicament of an unre- unregenerate humanity, humanity without uh, spiritual regeneration, without spiritual redemption, and without spiritual adoption. All important ideas we'll maybe delve into uh, another time. Um, so, without that, if it's just you, just you going to make your way, going to have what you have, you get the idea. Uh, there is a natural death to that. And Paul is not, I don't believe, primarily referring to mortal death. I think death in a spiritual context means a, the death of your potential to live as a higher being than you are inclined by your flesh to live. There is in you a spiritual element. You are at core not a flesh being. You are at core a spirit being. All right, so we've established that as the condition of of humanity. Now, as believers, we believe the path out of that condition the way to uh, get out of that, that, that spiritual death is through Jesus Christ. So when Jesus says, I am the vine and ye are the branches, without me you can do nothing. This is John chapter number 15. Without that, um, we, we quickly come to the limits of our ability to perceive the spirit spiritual nature of our existence. So, Jesus says, He's the way, He's the truth, He's the life. All right, so, is He talking about life in the manner we use it? So, it's really, it's usually helpful to, when you're trying to clarify uh, the meaning of what you're saying, um, is to try to place it in opposition to its, its stated opposite. So, could you say that there is uh, no life without Jesus Christ? Well, I think that helps us understand what he's getting at. Why? He's talking to living people there. They are alive. If we are going to define life as everybody uses it, then the the statement Jesus makes has no spiritual weight to it or no weight whatsoever, communicative weight, I should say. 
because he's talking to people that are alive. What do you mean that you're the path to life? Jesus is obviously not talking about fleshly life, biological life. He's talking about spiritual life. And so when he makes this statement, it's perhaps also true that he's not talking about truth the way that we would use the word truth. Now, just for the purposes of communication, the way we use truth is like this. If what I say matches what you experience, you perceive it as true. So if I say, Bob was at the store, that's what I said. Well, you were at the store and you saw Bob. What I said matches your experience, the evidence, the data that you had. That just, that, that just simply is true. Uh, <laughs> you know, what you claim is what is. X equals X. I mean, it, it's, it's literally truth is that simple in the terms of communication. But if Jesus is saying that he's the way to truth, he must be talking about truth in a different way. And if he's talking about life in a different way, and he's talking about truth in a different way, he must be talking about this way to which he's inviting you in a different way than simply, I offer a path for you to live and think and be. There must be an element here that is not readily seen in a quick read of the text, and it is. Jesus is speaking spiritually. You must understand his statements on life and his statements on truth and his statements on a way of right living in terms of the spiritual, the spiritual. So obviously you can live a life without Jesus. Many people have chosen to do it. Obviously, your communication can match my experience in just the ordinariness of life and it'd be a true thing and you not be a believer. Jesus wants to be talking about something deeper. And obviously you can choose many ways of living, not just this kind of Christian way. You can choose many ways of living. He must be talking about a different way. So I, if I was going to try to uh, put this in a modern conversation with a considerate person, uh, I, would try and I would try to explain it in the following way. Jesus is not saying that you can't have a life without Him. He's not saying that you can't tell the truth without Him. He's not even saying you can't choose a philosophical and ethical value or a path of life without Him. He's saying something spiritually. And so here's what I would want you to see. It is possible for you to pursue life and truth outside of Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to be religious outside of Jesus Christ. It is possible for you to live the whole of your life outside of Jesus Christ. But if you want to discover what it means to have um, spiritual life, if you want to understand what it means to have um, a right relationship with God, you need to see the Father, the eternal creative God, through the life of Jesus Christ. If you do not see the Creator through the life of Jesus Christ, 
You may end up with religion. You may end up with philosophy. You may end up with your own kind of philosophical doctrine of sorts. But that path will be spiritual death to you unless you see the eternal creator through the life of Jesus Christ. Now, this is, this is a bigger deal than you might think it is. Um, it's certainly, if I've, I have, every time I've spent time thinking about this, I just, it's like the, the rabbit hole goes deeper. And I know I'm guilty of going down the rabbit holes too much. So forgive me, uh, in that regard. But I, I want to say this. So, um, there's many, many religions. There's many, many truths. Do you see? Only one of them has within it this profound redemptive image that a personal creator loves you, even fallen you, even broken you enough that he will pay the price of your sins. Only one of them is fundamentally about a redemptive God. Okay, that's the image of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus is saying, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He's not saying he's the only religion. He's not saying he's the only philosophical or ethical path an individual might choose. He's saying there's only one way to get it right. There's only one way to get it right. And you have to see the eternal God as a redeemer. This is why the angel said, Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Thou shalt call his name Jesus. Mary, this child born to you is more than just a baby, more than just a man. He is literally going to manifest the eternal God. And if you view God wrong, it becomes death to you. But if you view God right, it becomes life to you. And so we're going to call this one who is going to change everything. We're going to call him Jesus, which literally means God has saved me. Jehovah has saved me. There's many, many paths to religion. There's many, many ethical systems. There's many, many philosophical ways. But all of them end with a sense of death, spiritual death. Why? Because you have to get this one thing right. And this is what I believe that is incumbent in the life of Jesus Christ and why he would say things like this and why Paul would establish things like this. And, and even in the Old Testament, there would be these images like Job. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. Uh, <laughs> Paul says in Ephesians chapter number two, chapter uh, verse number 12, your world was a world without hope and without God. You had nothing to look forward to and no God to whom you could turn. Listen to King Saul after he has lost the presence of the Lord. And this is first Samuel 28 verse number 15. I am sore distressed for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. 
the heart. I, I need a connection. There's this sense within me that I'm more than just this, you know, 70, 80 years that I'm going to live. I, I'm more than just the days that pass. I have a sense of eternity within me. And I need some way to connect uh, with God. And I want to, I want my life to please Him. I want my heart to know Him. I don't simply want to be um, here for a few uh, decades and then gone. I want to be placed, as it were, in uh, Abraham's bosom, to use an Old Testament expression. I want to, I want to have eternal life. If you view your God in a way that leaves out the fact that you are broken and He has paid the price for your redemption. No matter how good your system may be by the arguments of the philosophical mind, no matter how ethical you may believe it according to the strictures of the society in which you grew up and formed your philosophical and moral and ethical foundations in, if it does not include a redemptive element, you will forever feel like you are stuck in death. Why? If we could fix us in ourselves, we might would have done it a long time ago. This is shown not just in a Christian church service. This is also shown in the most successful rehab programs, whether they be for alcohol, drugs, any type of addiction. They, <laughs> the highest scoring ones, the most effective with the lowest uh, rates of, of failure, uh, all will stand upon this truth. There is a higher power who I need to help me, and He will help me. He will help me if I will ask. Jesus speaks. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. You're not going to come to the Father except by me. Yes, there's a doctrinal layer to that, which we hold and we love, and you've heard me preach many, many times. But there's also a realization about the status of the human heart, our tremendous need for healing, our tremendous need for redemption. And if we do not, if we do not receive that, fundamentally to our approach to God, then our religion, however well-intended it might be, leads to death. Jesus Christ has redeemed us. He is our Passover celebration. And so, I would say as a Christian, without Christ's example, then we would not have the uh, moral foundations of the society in which we live now, and we would struggle to know uh, the moral path and the right path. I say that as a Christian. Uh, I also say that uh, without His love, um, we always are stuck with our own, and His is much, much better than ours. And without His Spirit, we are forever um, stuck here on earth, um, seeing heaven, as it were, in our hearts and in our consciousness, sensing the eternal, but finding no ladder whereby ministering spirits and we ourselves might ascend and descend to, to heaven. And so uh, I, 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 want, I, want to, I want to share this truth of Jesus Christ in a language that this generation resonates with. Um, so as you've heard me say before, um, a lot of times when I hear people say they don't believe in God, I ask them if they believe in redemption. Because when Jesus says, 
I'm the way, I am the truth, I'm the life. No man can come to God except through me. I could restate that. And it would not be the same exactly, but I think it would touch in some way the heart of the matter. So let me say it like this. If you don't sense your need and you haven't any desire in yourself to attain a higher plane morally, ethically, and spiritually, if you don't have that within you, uh, this won't make sense to you. But if you have that within you, I want to say this to you. If you want to have spiritual wholeness, you want to understand and experience spiritual life, you need to see that God loves you and has paid a price at Calvary for you to receive mercy, grace, and let's just say it as it is, a fresh start, a clean slate. Secondly, if you want to have any type of spiritual uh, life, truth, you need to see that God loves you and He will redeem you and let you start anew. And finally, if you want to create any kind of a way, a way to live right, a way to know the kind of being you are in the world in which you are placed, to know yourself, as Socrates would say, if you desire that, to know, to get it, to see it, any way that is without the redemptive foundations that acknowledge human brokenness and humanity's need to reset, restart. Uh, if you cannot see that the Creator was not just sitting in His study ignoring you, but He never stopped loving you and He gave Himself for you, then uh, you may have philosophy, you may have religion, you may have a way, but it's always going to be a, a broken pot in a cracked cistern, to use Old Testament language. You can pour water in it, but it won't stay in it. It'll always find a way to dribble out. It will always find a way to be reabsorbed into the water table of humanity's need. And so, Jesus is our way, our truth, and our life. We have to show Him, testify, witness, example, demonstrate Him to this world. And we can do it. He's given us His Spirit so we could do it. All right, that's enough. I can go on on this for a while. I love you. I miss you. God bless you. We'll see you Sunday. I hope more of you are getting your, your confidence up. I miss you. I'd love to see you. I won't hug your neck. I'll just kind of stand in the distance. You know how I do. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.